Welcome to this episode of the Tez Magazine Debrief. Um, it's a triumphant return of the hero three of us this week. After some uh, planned absence, we'd call it, Dan. Yes, I've been on paternity leave, so right. it's, it's official. There's a new worth in the world. There is a new worth. And life is more worth while as a result. There you go. Very good. You can have that one for free, everyone. It just came, <laughs> came to me. So I am here, John Severs, uh, editor of Tears, with Dan Worth and Gronya. Hi, Gronya. Hello. You've been the constant in our absence. I have, though I'm off soon, so you'll have to get a replacement for me that week. I know some of the but, comments yeah. have been that you've been a bit grumpy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be we'll right. We'll see if we can... We can see if we can bring some joy um, to you today. Um, so let's get started. Okay, the first uh, feature we're going to talk about this week is is an interesting one for me personally as being one of four children and having four children myself. And that is um, about siblings and the sibling effect. What the feature talks about is is there is a marked improvement or deterioration in, in a younger sibling's school experience that is attached to the, the effect of having that older sibling. So if an older sibling is a high attaining um, go-getter who does every club under the sun, the, the younger sibling will have a positive knock-on effect of that. Likewise, if the older sibling is has behavioural issues or is, is low attaining for any reason, unfortunately that can affect the younger sibling as well and what the feature explores is that this is a relatively unresearched area of of education but one that's really important as the feature says you, you, you your your siblings are almost your constant they're the only thing that follows you into school and at home and so the impact of this is is something that we need to consider more and the research isn't there at the moment but what what there is 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 a clear indication that schools need to take this a bit more seriously. So, Dan, do you think you had a detrimental impact on your younger brother's school experience? Well, I don't know. It's a massive question, isn't it? But that's why this feature is so interesting. And and I like you, I, it got me thinking about those times. And it is difficult, isn't it? Because like the younger sibling turns up and they've already got a kind of mould they're going to be put into. And like, oh, he's going to behave like his brother or, oh, your brother never did that. Or your brother liked football. You must like football and all these kind of things. And it's sort of, well, no, there's, a, there's still a unique individual who has their own path to walk and they might be much better at some subjects. Whereas like my, my brother is very sort of, um, like we're both quite musical, but he's so much more sort of, musical in the sort of he understands the theory of music and i just don't i just don't get it and so you could say always oh, similar but we're still very different on that topic you know the way, the way we approach it so i don't know if i would have had a detrimental impact and we were both on the same school bus and things so i guess i was able to sort of look out for him a bit although we i wasn't we weren't those kind of brothers and i was like oh you know you touch my brother i'll come and beat you up it was much more like <laughs> oh yeah that's you my, shot me down that's my brother <laughs> yeah it was we just had that because and, and that's the other thing isn't it people kind of assume it's mentioned in the article that people think oh they'll have a protective role towards one another but they might not they might be quite antagonistic towards each other and quite hard for teachers though because i can see why you would just go oh yeah they're they're like their sibling i assume i'll just treat them the same but i guess you know you can't really because they are going to be different i think with me it's like when my sister because my sister went to the school first and was three years ahead and i was quite an anxious kid my settling in time at secondary school was probably condensed by a huge amount because i was used to picking her up from that school i mm. i had more knowns about that school than i would have done otherwise and i think it had a really positive effect on me whereas 
my younger brother had to fit like you in the me mold and my youngest sister she literally had no firsts like you know mm. it's hard enough being the youngest anyway but going to that school you know by the time they got to her going to secondary school she didn't get a picture outside the front door no one no one cared <laughs> she, get in the car come yeah. on let's do it um but at this point it's important we go to Gronya because she is one of more than four yes i'm one of five and um yeah i was actually sent to a different secondary school to my two older brothers because my parents were worried that the teachers would treat me differently because my older brother was so naughty at school and had already gone into so much trouble they thought it'd be best that i went to a different school to give me a fresh start and um yeah it's it's, Wait, it's a it tricky work? one isn't it i mean well it kind of worked it worked until i got to year nine and then two of the teachers from my brother's school both started at my school and um i really felt that first impact of oh i know your brother and i had a really unusual surname my my um, maiden name was robinson fitzsimmons and that you know doesn't even fit on the register you can see it as soon as you open it up so i stood out by a mile and um we were you know what like when you're it's the first day of school and you've got new classes and you don't really know who's you know you've got science but you got to go to sort of all the science classes to figure out which set you've been put in and we're all stood outside the chemistry chemistry room and there's this new teacher there and I knew that he he taught my brother because my brother had found out he was coming to my school and had already said to me oh watch out you've got got this teacher and he really hated me and I was like oh brilliant thanks yay (laughs) and so I get outside the star outside the the classroom there's loads of people there and I was I'd already been to two other ones, so I was quite near the back. And he was reading another register. And he calls, Grain. <laughs> I said, sorry, sorry, sir, that's me. It's pronounced Gwornia. And he looked at me, looked back down at the register, clearly clocked the surname and went, it clearly states Grain. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I had that written on my yearbook by so many different people. I, ha- I I was it clearly states grain for the rest of my time at school. It was just so awful, and the you know he he was so he he'd obviously decided like he, and he he had he decided that I was going to be trouble because of who my brother was. And luckily, by the next lesson, he must have spoken to other teachers and realised my name really was pronounced Gwornia and did called he, me that. Did that teacher have a brother who worked in IT? <laughs> <laughs> that is an in joke of the podcast extraordinaire yes we're not going to explain that nicely joke. Done. Have to nicely listen done. Back. yeah, yeah if you listen know back. you know um you know, you so know. yeah there was that and it's but then my sister followed me to school and you know it's it's funny that whole when you were talking about older siblings and you know you, people saw that you that was your your brother it wasn't like oh you'd go and beat them up but that was that was sort of my role for Roshan. I was like intimidation. If anybody was mean to my sister, I'd make sure. I think I'd do someone's lollipop over a, a fence on the first day for Roshan because they'd been mean to her. And it was <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. pretty much my, my role. I was security racket and I'd make Roshan do me favours in, in return for making sure nobody was ever ever mean to her. And it's it's funny. I loved going to school with my sister and I liked being like the Robinson Fitzsimmons sisters and the two of us. Now that I've got three girls, I hope they're similarly close. But from a teacher point of view, so switching to putting my, my past hat on as a, as a teacher, you know, I've taught children who had older siblings that were, were known for being difficult. And, you know, one of the teachers in the piece talks about how if they were asked, like, do you know my, my brother or sister? They'd always say, oh, no, no, I don't, even if they did try and make them feel like they had got that fresh start. 
And sometimes it's impossible to do that because they know that you know them because they've taught you, you taught them. And I had one girl in a class and it was um it was the start of the year and she had a really unusual surname and I I taught her brother and her brother was known for being quite a difficult character. And um and I was going through the register and the other kids, it wasn't her who said it, it was the other kids are like, You you know her brother, don't you? You you must have taught her brother. And I was like, Yep. Yep, I do know Austin. Did you know Austin went to the national finals for football for his year group? That is one of the most prestigious competitions. Hardly anybody gets to that. And Austin was in that team. And I remember that he played an excellent game. Austin, you know, he's a fantastic footballer. And it was the first time I think anyone said anything positive about, about Austin. And the smile on this girl's face was so lovely. And it was nice to be able to do something like that. And I think it's really important that you... You can always find something nice to say about a child. It's not hard to find something nice to say about a child. So if you are going to talk about siblings, like you need to repress all of that kind of, oh no, not another one of those kind of, it's just unhelpful. And people aren't like their, their brothers and sisters necessarily. And it's, I think it's, it's good to do something, something nice. It's a nice humble brag that, by the way showing how good a lovely teacher you were it's I, one I of the few it. times i think i, I was gonna got say was, really I think, right yeah i think we're owed a, a positive one <laughs> yeah, exactly. every now and then i had like this moment of actually being a decent teacher and that was one of them so i'm gonna gonna take the can, the can i that. ask then Gronya and john you can weigh in as well but in the intro to this piece by uh, jess powell which is really good she, she says that the teacher used to write a-A-G-A-L on her work, which stood for almost as good as Layla, which is her sister, which struck me as one of the worst, sort of most demotivating things you could do, right? <laughs> dreadful. I think she should she should send an invoice for therapy to that, yeah. that teacher. <laughs> I remember, though, I, I used to clean at my school after school, and uh, I covered one of my brother's shifts because he took over my cleaning job because we kept it in the family because we're nepotistic <laughs> like that. And, uh, and the teacher came over to me and, John, John. I was like, hi, hi, hi. I went name her. She said, your brother's so much better at maths than you. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I really appreciate that, that glowing reference. And then my PE teacher at the time, my, 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 the rest of my family don't, siblings don't have that unusual the names. They're called Rhiannon, Giannina and Nathaniel. But obviously I'm John. And he just said to me, he said, John, why do your parents hate you? <laughs> I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, why do they give you the only normal name? And I was like, oh, they did. Well, why have they done that? Why am I the only normal one? So, yeah, I, I, I felt the impact of my siblings quite a lot through, uh, through school life. But as I say in the leader this week, I'm not, I'm not one for ignoring that. I think we have to just better understand that sibling relationship because it's so pivotal for who we are. And I'm sure you two would say the same, that your siblings are integral to who you become and the decisions you make. Like from, I quite like indie music as my sister. Like mm, just from mm, a real mm. base level, that I think if you just pretend that it doesn't exist, I don't, I'm not sure that's particularly helpful. No, no, ignoring it's not, not, it's not, you're not, you're never going to ignore it. You've always got that sort of unconscious, unconsciously you'd think about it. So just acknowledge, like, just accept the fact that you are going to do it, but be better with it. That's that's got to be the most sensible approach, hasn't it? I think so. I think we should so. end on a, on a Gronya sensible moment for this section <laughs> lovely Gronya we've had a lovely story about your teaching career and we've had a lovely summing up of the feature I mean you, you've excelled in our absence <laughs> you've grown into the role uh, okay feature two and uh, we're going to go over to something that Gronya keeps calling cheating but Dan says is not cheating so Dan can you explain what 
what this is about because I'm not clear. Definitely. This is a piece by Emma Connolly, which is an honest piece in which she talks about why she sort of admits that she does teach to the exam or teach to the test, as it's often referred to. And um, yeah, Grain and I were sort of, or Grain and I were sort of joking beforehand <laughs> about whether this constitutes cheating or not. And obviously, Grain was was being tongue in cheek. But the point we were trying to make was why I think it's such a good piece is I think there's a real sort of honesty in the fact that she says she does teach the test. But but and why is that a bad thing? Because ultimately, you can't deny that for all the kind of very and I sort of fully buy into the idea as well that education should be something bigger than exams, and it's more about learning to learn and using a love of a subject but at the end of the day they have to go through the exam they have to get a grade and they will be judged on that grade now whether that changes in the future post-pandemic who knows but probably not i mean you know people look at grades on cvs don't they and if you've got three a's you're more likely to get into than someone who got three c's even if the person who got the three c's was taught better and you know learned more and knows more unfortunately or not that's the world we live in and so i just think a teacher that can balance that can still be a great educator and, and enthusiast love of a subject but also say to people this is how you should answer this question this is how you will get better marks this is how you actually show that you know what i've taught you i think there's a sort of skill in that in itself and it shouldn't be dismissed because i certainly look back at my own time at school and particularly i remember my history teachers were excellent at teaching to the test while still making the subject thrilling you know, i really really enjoyed history i really really came to life for me in school but it was also very clear that like we looked at past papers and it was like, look, what are they asking you here? What are they asking you to do? How would you answer that question to get full marks? And we sort of made some dopey answers and he sort of say, yes, that was a good point. And that was a good point, but you wouldn't want to say that. And, you know, it was kind of a, a re this is the reality you're going into. You're going to sit an example for three hours and you need to get a good grade. So here's how you can do that. And I think, you know, it's an emotive thing, but I think it is a real thing. And that's why I like this piece, because I think it's, it's nice that it addresses that. I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? That there's I'm always slightly suspicious of this notion that we teach this broad and balanced curriculum, and if we do that right, then they'll go into the exam and everything will be fine. It's it's not going to be fine. Like it just isn't. Hmm. And I think you do need to say, look, if this comes up in the exam, this is the sort of thing you're gonna, you know, this. How would you answer it? Show me. Give me a model answer and and do some stuff like that because you're you're in danger of assuming too much and also like a teacher has to prioritize their time i think we really have to prioritize well as students I'm, i've gone back to 16 year old me <laughs> doing my gccs <laughs> eating loads of biscuits and having wall charts of revision plan but we do have to prioritize where what we're practicing you can't you can't like revise the whole of your of the curriculum mm. you know and it's, it's it's not beneficial to i would say but gronya would you like to explain the um cheating comment Oh, it's definitely tongue in cheek. And also, I think there's something to be gained by telling the students that, oh, you know, this is a good little cheat for the exam. They love it. They feel like they're getting one over on the examiner. It's quite a good way to make them feel as if, it, you know, it's it's not insurmountable. There's there's little hacks, there's little, little things you can do to make the exam a little easier for yourself. Um, silly things like in the poetry exam, Oh, I say to them, look, here's a great cheat. They tell you the names of the poems and the names of the poems, that could be a quotation. You've got two quotations right there straight away. Like, wow. It's like, and do the examiners realise? Like, no, I don't think they realise, guys. Like, there you go. Excellent <laughs> little cheat there. <laughs> You've swindled them. And it's that kind of, you don't have to do it in a really dry, horrid way. 
But I think we can break these things into like, that's okay and this is not okay. I think it's okay to tell children that. I don't think it's okay to repeatedly drill from year seven exam style questions to teach them how to answer really dry, boring. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's things you can and can't do that make it okay. Um, you know, uh, three year key stage four, don't really think that's okay. I much, much prefer two, stage, two year key stage four. Um, but, but I think when I started examining and being an examiner myself, it made me realise how much I could improve my teaching by just making small adjustments. And I think for that reason, everybody should examine at least for two years when they're when they're teaching exam classes. So you're saying is what you're saying is it's a nuanced issue, and it's... education debate hates nuance. Um, <laughs> Can I just say that something occurred to me while you're talking then that you, you're increasingly morphing into Stacey Dooley. I think you sound a bit like her and you, you're starting to look a bit like her. And I think maybe a BBC educating series of you, because you're on the media all the time, aren't you? You know, this is your new thing. You spend more time on the radio than you do at Tez Towers. Um, but yeah, it's very, very disconcerting. Have you ever thought, have you ever had that connection before, Gonya? Um, Stacey Dooley, not really. I mean, I do like Stacey Dooley, but I, um, I don't think, I don't, uh, sorry, we've just realised that no one's collected the girls. <laughs> such a dreadful mouth. You know what, it was going <laughs> really well. <laughs> it was going really well with all your teacher, um, teacher anecdotes. I've lost anecdotes. it, haven't I? Sorry. And now, and now Will's going to have to, again, put some dramatic music over <laughs> the moment you <laughs> realise. cut this. <laughs> No, nobody picked up your kids. It has to stay in. This is a, this is a, this is a, this is like it's one continuous shot. Uh, we'll just put a little discredit at the end, saying no children were harmed in the recording of this podcast. But you um, don't know, no one's got them yet. I can't oh. wait to hear the um, the will the will pit. Uh, or Joshua We're Morris. not keeping this in. This is not staying in. Sorry, Stacey Dooley or Stacey Dooley style documentary about what? Yeah, oh, do you on, know? I'd schools. love. I'd love to go in as like a pretend supply teacher at different different schools. I've got a list of schools want, I'd like to go in as a, think, as a fake think, supply teacher to. I think they've done that on Channel Four with Secret Boss, and you you <gasps> considering yourself a Secret Boss teacher, Secret Millionaire? I can't yes. remember. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. We should do that. I mean, it's completely Dan, unethical because you can't record can children. Go in. They'd be okay. fine. Dan would have the patches on his on his elbows. I reckon. I reckon. Yeah. You'd. you'd that's exactly, <laughs> bit, bit, of, bit of a history teacher. Gonya would go in and do drama. Mm. I'd be a very stern, stern teach, science John? teacher. Science, I think. yeah. You I'm you not could good pull at science. science. Yeah, as I said, you reckon you get away with that? Like, so here we have the hydrogen atom, <laughs> and we put that in the beaker, and um, <laughs> we get I a Bunsen burner. Ten... <laughs> I know the first ten elements off by heart. Go on then. Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, neon. Yeah, very good. How do you know that? Isn't that, is that, is that my, monomic? My dad taught me. Hmm. Isn't it no. They Might Be Giant song as well? Didn't they is do it? a song about the periodic table? Did they? I don't know. Yeah. No, if they I'll did, science teachers should really like latch onto that. That'd be handy. They should. We've come, we've come a long way from um, teaching to the test, but I think this is all relevant, personally. <laughs> I do, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll take a we'll take a brief gap to, to see if Cornya's found her children, and then we'll be back with feature three. 
Okay, so the last feature we're going to look at is all about gambling. So, yes, it's not so much about gambling, but more about decision-making and how when we think about the decisions that we make, what we really need to do is think about what's probable and using that kind of poker-style way of thinking about things and, and making decisions based on probability and the likelihood of outcomes rather than these sort of big life-changing decisions that you know it's, it's impossible to predict the future actually there are ways that we can make decisions that's a bit more efficient so simon creasy has written this piece and he wrote he spoke to annie duke who is a former professional poker player and she gives some really useful tips for how we can make decision making more efficient for our students and it's, it's such an interesting piece. I found this really, really helpful, particularly because I'm one of those people that goes on, oh, I've got a gut feeling about this. And Annie says in the piece that, you know, actually that's not a very, very good way of thinking about things. And it's, you know, we, we have these, these methods of making decisions and she talks about um, pros and cons lists and pros and cons lists, you know, really, really common. People use them all the time, but are we using them in the best way possible? Very unlikely, and she gives some useful tips on how to how to do that better. But it's it's a good piece, and I think yep, the the suggestions are definitely there for pupils. But I think teachers and leaders can take a lot from this too. I was amazed that she did cognitive psychology at university and then earned four million dollars or something on the poker circuit. And I just thought, why didn't I do cognitive psychology? <laughs> and then go on the poker circuit. Does that sound... And why did she give up? Why did she decide to dedicate herself to a higher calling of helping schools teach decision-making to kids? I mean, it's, it's, it's laudable, and I, I, I feel it, but I feel there's more in, more in her, more I, dollars in, in her. I feel that she wouldn't have made that decision had it not been the right one, so we can be confident that this was the wisest move for her. Well, also, playing like, poker is, is like... It's seriously a slog. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like games last hours and hours and you've got to be fully mm. focused for and days and days just sat in like hotel suites and everything. And like I can imagine how when you've earned four million dollars, you don't need to do it so much anymore. And you must you know what, I'm really bored of sitting in hotel suites, as it were, and mm. surrounded by, you know, people wearing sunglasses and not talking about it for ten hours just to kind of go raise, fold. You know, it's like <laughs> I imagine you just thought I can do more now. I've I've got the money. It's a it's a fair point. I mean, I, 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 I like this one as well, Gronia, because I just thought I'm, a, I'm one of those ones, she said, you know, the person who has to ask four different people, the, uh, you know, Is this, what do you think about this? As if you've not spoken to anyone else about it. And then, like, you gauge the opinion of all the different people and you're like, okay, this must be the right decision. So I've checked it with four completely <laughs> random people who may have no knowledge of the problem I'm trying to solve. And it's just like completely and probably picked in a biased way so that I know I get the answer I want and <laughs> she does really expose all the embarrassing things you do around mm. decision making and then says actually what you need to do is sit down and think okay this isn't the decision that's going to end my life but or sorry mm. change my life but it will be a decision that at least is based on some probabilistic statistical analysis that do you know what if I do that then this might happen and my end goal which I thought was really good she said what do you want to achieve mm. you know your first thing about your decision is okay what's your end goal and how does this get you there mm. I thought that was really good as well to have it in that context absolutely and I think it's something that we can really struggle with especially when we're younger and we don't know what that end goal is and I think it's 
it's trying to think of, okay, the end goal isn't for my ultimate end goal. It's not when I'm like 60. What's my end goal for this year or for next year? And if you can use that information when you're picking your, you know, what, what you want to happen, then it makes it all a lot easier. Mm, definitely. And it's, 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 you can imagine how you could apply it to, to a young person, couldn't you, about like, well, what do you want to study at university? What do you want to study in your career? Well, what decision, what do you study now? What do you focus on? Where do you apply for university? It's all decision trees, isn't it? And one will branch to another. And if you've got a goal and you've got, I want to be a, you know, a, a nuclear physicist, mm. but you're studying your GCSEs, it's like, it's very hard to sort of see that connection. But if you say, okay, well, if you do A-level chemistry and then you study, you know, imperial and then you did whatever that could be a route to you you know and it's very hard to know that anyway but at least you could sort of give them a sense of well that's the rough way you could do that and i think i can see how that would at least sort of bring it into a sort of manageable way of thinking about things rather than this sort of and we all do something like i'd like to buy a big house it's like okay well we all would but how are you gonna do that okay well if i save that and i make that decision do it you know there's like an adult sort of decision tree you might go down but um but yeah decision making is really hard i i really struggle with it on big things because I, I always just feel like oh, whatever i do it'll be the wrong thing i don't mean that as a sort of fatalist oh it's the wrong thing it's more like you're just like well how can you know so you just like you make a decision and you do something but it's just like oh well you know now this has happened well would it have happened if i done the other thing well i don't know so it's almost a bit like it feels a bit futile to overthink it but i do overthink it anyway i'm not like some great like oh decision made let's go with it it's really difficult as you get older i think it's really hard yeah, yeah definitely hard as you get older and i think we develop those bad habits from a younger too don't we yeah Yes, but yeah, yes. but I do like yes, I do like the game of poker. Poker's, you know, it's a good game. And and a seamless segue from gambling on decision making to excellent decision making in the gambling environment of sailing. No, it doesn't quite work. Doesn't Gonya, work. tell me where I'm trying to get to. <laughs> You're trying to sail towards a sail towards a, uh, a a brilliant podcast we've got coming out on. Friday, so Friday intonation, yep, coming out on Friday. It's the new My Best Teacher, and while Dan was away, he entrusted me with doing the My Best Teacher, which I was very pleased about. No, not John, he asked me to do it. <laughs> and and I got to talk to Ben Ainsley, who is an Olympic sailor, and he was brilliant and told me all about the, uh, all the things that he got up to when he was, he was at school and his brilliant teachers, and it's a really good pod, so do listen to it. Excellent. Um, and uh, he has the glory of uh, having a connection to Dan through his school and, and me through where his big boatyard is now, um, Dan in Portsmouth. So do listen in. It's a really good one. And he, he tells you a little bit of how he made some money out of packed lunches, which I thought was very, very <laughs> clever. Um, that's it from us this week. So uh, do tune in next week and do tune in to that Ben Ainsley podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this week's issue of the magazine Debrief Podcast and want to read more of Tez Magazine online and have it delivered to your door, subscribe now at tez.com forward slash store.